Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CEO Cheat Sheet Podcast. Today, we have another brand new episode with amazing Alex Vlasov, who is a founder and director of Studio, which is positioned as web development, or I would rather say multifaceted company, which also taps into design. But I would rather give a word to you, Alex, uh, to say in more detail. How are we doing? Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, doing, doing well. Yeah, I guess that's the right introduction in terms of multifaceted company because we started in design initially and then we we went into website design as well web development and then marketing as well so at this stage we have different departments that manage different different uh, sides of the company so and they specialize in those areas as well yeah so instead of kind of um, having one team that does everything our i guess our biggest strength is that we specialize in things so we don't take on anything unless we have specialists in that area, and then we we manage for the clients. Cool. So, like, if I'm if I'm a client, I shouldn't be worried much about whether I need to find another provider. If I'm doing, let's say, like business digital transformation, like going website, going app development, which entails into design, branding, like you do pretty much everything as long as you can find specialists, right? Yes and no. So the thing about a lot of agencies is that they specialize in something, right, and they get really really good at that, and they pretty much support that service, which which is great. The difference between us is that we don't say we do everything because firstly you can't do everything and then you don't you end up doing a bit of everything and doing a pretty poor job at, at all those things. What we do is we specialize in things that our team strength are. Uh, we also often take on new tasks if we have a, a lot of demand for it from, from clientele. So if clients come to us all the time, I mean, that's, that's how we started doing different tasks in the first place. You know, when we started designing websites, people would say to us, can you also build a website? We say, no, but we have someone who can do it for you. And what happens is you hand off the project with someone else. Then if they don't do a good job, they come back to you and say, hey, you know, that person who you recommended is, is not doing really well. So that's good, good for us. So it's been a historical thing for us to either build very good relationships in the industry or get hire people who are very good at what they do. And that way, we're responsible for the whole thing. So if the client requires digital marketing, whether it's SEO or, um, or something else, or whether it's a website built or even software development, sometimes if we can handle the job and we're confident we can do it, we'll take it on. If we can't do it, we say so it's not our thing, but we're going to introduce someone in the, in the industry. I like that. That's like very realistic approach and also highly responsible, something I see like lacking in this industry. I like the fact that you mentioned something that heavily resonates with me. When you find a partner, when, when you don't have a match capacity right now, right? Like, and, and they like fail and you're just organically being seen by the client with whom you probably already have a good relationship. Like, hey, this, you recommend these guys, right? Like they're not doing a good job. And now you, you find yourself in this spot when, well, <laughs> what can I do, right? So uh, this vouching, natural vouching is tricky part as far as I can see. But as long as you establish the proper expectation, right, from the client that I can entry to you, but the decision is made on your end and we are kind of not responsible for that, right? Yeah. I mean, it goes back to, I mean, how we started in the first place, like how the company started at the very start. So my background was working in-house. So I spent years working as an employee for companies that are not agencies at all. This just, you know, medium to large companies working in 
in-house, either working in design department or working in the marketing department, but we basically manage everything for the company. But being in-house, you, you end up doing everything pretty much. And what I've learned quite early is that you can't do everything yourself. So you end up hiring people. But hiring people ends up being expensive and also it becomes a problem there where your skill set only can go that far. So you can hire someone who's very good at something, but once as a company that does say, you know, you do a lot of events, you do a lot of different marketing, you need a variety of, of digital and print and so on, social media material to be pushed out at a quality level. You also need someone to do um, monitor all your digital media analytics and all that intense, quite a, a lot of work for someone who's not experienced in all this area. So imagine if, you, if you're working in a house, you have to hire either specialists in those areas or do a whole bunch of courses trying to learn, right? So that's what I did. I, learned, I did a whole bunch of courses trying to learn everything. Eventually, I started getting freelancers and other agencies to work with us because I found that, okay, I can't do this to the level I think it should be delivered. So what I'll do, I'll get someone else to come in and do it for us. And I'll manage because I know what needs to be done. I'm, I'm working for the company. I understand the processes. I understand the company's vision. So if I bring somebody in who's a specialist in that specific area, they can do a perfect job and that way everyone's happy. And for a business, it's a lot much less expense, much smaller expense because all they do is they pay for that one project that I anyone in-house the whole time. That's kind of how I learned the skills of firstly working on a whole variety of different projects and secondly working with a lot of different people. Uh, again, working uh, in digital and in, in analog, so you know, print for example, you know, like if you get a designer who is very good in website design, doesn't mean they can design for print, it's a whole different area. Um, and you learn that, I guess, by by failing, I guess, but uh, that's how we all learn. Uh, that was the thing for us. Uh, we understand the companies from inside out. So we understand what issues they can have. We understand what pain points a, a business owner or a marketing department in the company will, will have. So we can approach from a different point of view. We, we don't come as an agency. We come in from a person that, from a company that we used to be in that space. We understand how it works. I want to make your job easier. We want to save you some money and we want to give you a much better result. That's, that's really cool. It's like applying your polyvalent expertise and just connecting the dots because this is, I think, what matters for the, for the end customer in the end. They probably won't care much about who is actually, whether it's this person I see right now going to execute my job, but rather they have a holistic approach to addressing the issues. So that's pretty cool. And um, thanks for sharing this in deep. I'm, I'm curious, like on top of this, business what's your business goals inside this business like any expansion plans or any like kind of mission whether you have any personal goal that is different from it yes um expansion goals always would be growing organically over the years i guess it started off just you know me and a couple of mates mostly me really doing a bit of freelancing work over the years it's growing into a much bigger agency uh, uh, where it is now but we definitely have big goals in mind. We have a, a team locally in Sydney. We also have a large team offshore in Eastern Europe that manages a lot bulk of our work. It makes it makes our life easy. It makes our customers' lives a lot a lot easier as well in terms of firstly the the work for them. We have a much bigger talent pool in that way. We try to do everything locally, and and we are still going that direction. It's just taking us kind of a few steps forward, a few steps back. 
in that way. In terms of expansion locally, we are expanding uh, in the past couple of years quite a bit. Uh, in terms of expansion um, offshore, uh, our team has grown as well. And it's more about, uh, with us, it's always been about relationships. So it's it's not so much that we just, we get someone in and they just do the work. For us, it's a lot more important to build a relationship in, in the long term with our clients and with our staff, to both. And that way it becomes, I wouldn't say it's in a family, it's not a family, it's still a business, right? But you want everyone to understand and feel like they, they are doing something good and they and there are results and they can see results you know when when clients come back to us and they give us a good good feedback we'll make sure we pass it on to everyone who's involved in the project to say guys done a great job here's what clients have to say it's a bit of you know that morale that you that you pass to, to your team so in terms of i guess you asked about what our plans are right so our, our plans are you know in growth so we, you know how it is uh, when you work for for yourself in any business, you you look at yourself last. So in our case, we we just went through a, a rebrand for our own company, and now we in the process of, of rebuilding our own website, which is way way overdue. And the thing about when you do something for yourself, you're much more critical. You know how it needs to be done, so you you take longer. Uh, you go you go through you know. Your internal, I guess, your internal team that has, you know, all these ideas and, and, and then sometimes they don't agree on it. And if that was a client, it'd be a lot easier because you, you know, you have a client with a decision maker and you have a team that doesn't, that doesn't work. You know, you got a project manager in between. So that it makes things so much simpler for us. That's been a challenge, but having to say, we actually got over the the big hurdle. Now we we are kind of running for the for the finish line. So once once that's once that's done, which will be end of the year, early next year, we have big plans moving forward. So we are we're going for our clientele has changed over the years. Our offer has changed over the years. The way we approach clients also has changed. So we are, we're kind of heading towards bigger projects, more charging projects. We love working with clients that are open-minded as well and then that can challenge us creatively right so a lot of uh, my background is design and marketing so for me it's something that's creatively challenging i love it it's, it's great it makes it makes my work date so much much more interesting much more fun um obviously there are some projects which are not that exciting but at the end of the day more and more it seems that the clients that we get we're on the same level in terms of the way we think and the way where they want to go. This helps a lot. Um, it, it helps for, for us. It also helps for the client because, as I said, relationships is very important. Most of our clients are long-term clients. So we, we try not to work as a one-off. It evolves when clients come and go and just push out projects quickly. Yeah, so we try and say, we want to build a relationship with you. Uh, we want to work with you in the long term because first we want to see you succeed. And we see this all the time. People succeed. They get bigger. They, they have bigger budgets, they they um, they welcome our ideas, which we came to them in the first place saying, no, you should try that. And the angel are not already at that stage. By the time they, you know, a year or two later, they come back and say, yep, you know, I think it's time we, we, we should we should get, get the guy. So that's, I guess, I guess I went around a little bit. <laughs> it's about steady growth. As far as I said, it's like steady growth, balanced, harmonizing. I mean, I love it how peaceful it is. Like no, no, like crazy ambition. Sometimes it's all you need, right? Like the sudden moves can be like too dramatic. And, and they, you already said that the clients, their zone of comfort is very important. So they can keep growing, rely on you, knowing that like 
there's no surprise there, right? So that's that's I think very valuable thing these days. Yeah, I think the biggest ambitious am, ambition wise is uh, me stepping aside from doing a lot of the tasks that I do now and me getting more people involved in managing projects, managing clients. It's it's a training process. It's also a mental challenge for yourself because you need to. I hate micromanaging. This is my biggest. I hate being micromanaged and I hate to micromanage people. So, and this is why for me to step aside and let my, my team to manage clients, manage projects and manage new leads. This is my, my, this is pretty much my goal. The way I do it now is that I don't try and sit there and see what everyone's doing and how many hours I spend on, on each task. I know my budgets. I know what needs to be done. People understand that there's certain things that need to be done for, for, on a certain day. If I'm seeing a repetitive issue when someone is not performing or when someone is not doing the things they should be doing on time or to the level that we expect, I will have a chat with them first and just to figure out what is the issue. Maybe they're not aware. Maybe there's something else involved. And obviously, if it's going to continue, then yeah, they have to go. Yeah, close that. So as we go to the next question about what you love or hate in the business, I think it's this kind of thing you don't like. Like you want to step away from this like more intense management, sometimes necessary micromanagement. If a problem arises, I would understand that, right? What else do you like, don't like, or an opposite you like the most? I mean, as a, if I would say as an industry, I mean, the industry is so, there's no barriers of entry, as you would know, digital agency. You know, you wake up in the morning and you think, I'm going to be, I'm going to open a digital agency tomorrow. And that's it. And there's no, there's nothing. There's, you know, you go to ABN or you go, you open a company and, and, and there you are. And I mean, sometimes I see people posting because I'm in, I'm in a whole bunch of Facebook groups for, for, in my, in my industry. And sometimes I see someone posting saying, I just opened my digital agency. Um, I need some ideas how to, how to get customers. And I'm thinking, okay, so if you, Open a digital agency already, so you must be at, you must be somewhere already in the industry. Whether you've been freelancing or, or or doing something, so you must have some customers already. But you're asking the the, the simplest question of like, how do you you know everyone wants customers, right? So if you if you if you start an agency and you don't even know how to get customers, then you probably should be working such, you know for someone until you do, right? So that, that's just my thing, right? So, and then the undervalued, a, a lot of, a lot of um, uh, and I mean, because you're also in, in the industry somewhat, so you, you'll probably see there's a lot of undervalue as well in in, uh, in projects. So you said, what do I hate? It's I hate when, you know, we, you get um, someone asking you to, to do something and they already have a figure in mind because they saw somewhere at a very cheap rate and that's what they care about. So they don't care about the process that will get you there. They don't care about their own goal, you know, as a, as a long-term business goal. You know, how would that investment really pay off in the long run? And what are you actually paying for, right? So all, all they care about is, is the bottom number and the kind of, you know, everything else. We, we try not, not to not to even go into those, like, rock with type of clients because there's no, if there's no conversation, there's there's nothing really to get out of it. So, I mean, you, you get a few of that, you know, you, you get those people who either they're too busy or they just don't care. But I think if you if you run a business, whatever you do, you should still care. And, you, and if you are too busy yourself, there should be someone in your company that, that should manage that part of the business. Yeah, you're right. And so undervaluing is like something that causes the pain. And I totally flag that. It's a, it's a heavy educational component to me, especially if the, if the clients in question didn't have a 
previous experience and doesn't know how to measure this. And there's, there's, yeah, there's definitely a frustration when, when you want to deliver high quality and people simply fail to realize that. And nobody actually stopped them to do the proper, you know, research and, you know, check different quotes. What I found like frustrating, if, if I would on, put it on top of that, which I don't know if you've seen this, is when even when they have comparison, like different quotes from different agencies, they fail to properly do the credibility check. For example, why this agency charged this much and this agency charged that much. They really focused and obsessed with the quote itself without taking much into consideration, such as like whether the reputation they claim is really verifiable by third-party sources, for example, or do they have enough vouching from, from someone else? Because otherwise it's, it's super blind, uh, blind peak, right? Like how would you know why the difference is this or that? You can't definitely rely on whatever they say just alone. You must have something else on top of this, right? That's right. Yeah. So you're, 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 I guess your digital profile is very important, but also the way we, the way we, we present our work, the way we do our proposals is very detailed. And we also like to jump on a call with a, with a potential customer and just show our case, show the way we, we um, approach projects. So, you know, they, the user experience processes, the, you know, like all the, all the smart steps that go into a website before it's even designed, before it's built, all, all the foundational stuff. This is so important. And that's, and you know, like the more people I talk to about it, the ones that actually have the 15 minutes to jump on a call before they get look at the numbers, they're the ones who say, oh my God, I never even knew about this stuff because they just don't know. Because all they think, as someone from the industry, you know, it, it should be included, but someone who's not, you just look from the outside. It's like building a house. I don't know how, I don't know all the foundations to build a house. Uh, if I see pretty pictures and the, and, the, and the price, I'm thinking this is great. But once you speak to someone who's, specialists in the area and explain to you this is how we look at your market it's how we differentiate the different user flows and and and, and decision makers and, and how would they find something that you actually wanted to find on your website whether they have experience in this you know in in your business area or not you know very different customer bases very different ways of navigating the website if website is an example here so uh, we like to do that before we even provide the price or 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 anything, we we'll have to just explain to the to the potential customer, okay, now this is what you ex- you would expect to receive if you work with us. Okay, this is the type of process we'll we'll take you through. This is the type of specialist will be working with you in in different stages, and somehow suddenly the investment makes a lot more sense. But they realize, okay, so I'm not just paying for a website to appear on on website. I'm paying for all these other things. We also have experience in the whole bits and pieces that no one has any idea about, like how do you manage your DNS? You know, how how do you manage your emails? Domain name, you know, like all all these little things that you, you speak to most companies and you ask them where everything is, they will tell you, I don't know, someone someone's got it, access to it, but but they really don't know. So we try to make it very very clear for them. So it's pretty much from the very very start of the process to the very end clear guideline and then walk away with a clear understanding where everything is and, and and how it was built and why that's cool like you're giving away the value right on the sales call as i guessed and as i understood i say and uh you're educating them so they probably you probably earn trust uh during this process and they like oh 
this guy actually explains every single step they're going to do. They're very transparent. They're less salish. They are more like open. And while I can see that sometimes it can be misused by, by some bad clientele, I think in general and statistically, the most of the clientele who see such approach would definitely appreciate it. So very wise approach. I just found myself being entrapped into that. I mean, I, I'm, I love creating solutions with all of my experience. And sometimes on a sales call, I'm telling myself, stop doing that. You're actually creating the business for them right now for free. Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right there. And actually, we don't give any solutions at all. We show them how we will approach their problem and how we will fix it without giving them any answers. Because you can't give answers because that, that whole process, that's the whole process that it's in itself that we got to go through. But what we do explain is that that's what you expect to get in the end. So we show them a, maybe a case study of someone else just to sh- and, and the steps that we usually undertake. So we don't, you're right about educating the clients and you can't, we, we've done a mistake before ourselves. When we, we over-educate the client and they walk away and they're happy and then they think to themselves, I know what to do now. So what was the pay these guys? So no, we, they always have to still um, do it. But no, we, we don't educate them in that way. We educate them in what they should be getting and how the process should be taken. It's not so much about doing it for them. It's more about this is the process of how we will approach your specific project, whether it's a logo design and marketing, but um, the actual process is obviously left to us. Got it. Well, we topped into a little bit of territory of the core. We'll revisit it in a moment. One last question I just want to ask about what your daily lifestyle looks like to get you going through the business. Can you share some maybe tips or rituals you do, like maybe exercise, morning yoga, whatever? It depends on the day, right? So it depends if I'm working from home, from the office, or if I'm working client space or somewhere else, or a co-working space. It varies on the meetings that I have booked for the day. If I'm in the office, it's probably best for me mentally because firstly, I push myself to go to the gym at certain part of the day. It doesn't matter what it is. This is my thing to break my day up a little bit. It gives me that, you know, kind of a bit of a wake-up call it's great generally for mental and for general health to do that. If I'm at home, it's very hard to get out of the house. If I'm working from home, you get comfortable, especially if the if the kids or someone is always always things to do. So it's too many distractions. For me, my day starts around eight-ish, I guess. By the time I do everything, I get to the office. I you know I go to, maybe I, I do some exercise around you know midday or one o'clock, probably around this time actually. Um, and then lunch, I finish of the day, and I come home, and that's that's pretty much it. So if I'm working in uh, co-working spaces again, there's there's not really much time for those type of breaks but i try to do yoga sometimes or some kind of exercise uh with the family in the evenings um like again just kind of because you, you end up sitting in the chair most of the day at home i have a stand-up desk so i i do like two weeks of staying up only and then two weeks of sitting down so this way i'm, uh, I'm breaking up a little bit and it's great it's great a stand-up desk is pretty cool and also Kids can't reach the top of it, which is <laughs> helpful too. That's a very, that's probably the main reason. <laughs> so they can't destroy, you know, the gadgets and other stuff. I don't have yeah. kids, of course, myself right now, but I think that it's going to be a challenge, like if, how far they can reach and stand in this. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. We are heading to the main section right now. And the way we already touched the client engagement as one of the steps for the execution of the entire business, like of the, all the operations of the business, we will touch base on the work execution itself report communication invoicing payment 
compliance, accountability, and some other advanced topics such as automation, workload, and overall autonomy. So let's start with the client engagement. Since you mentioned how you approach like on a more analog level, I would say by educating people. I'm curious, like on the operation side, do you use any software that helps you, you know, like compile, proposal, estimate everything and present in a proper, nice way, flashy maybe way to a client? We used to use, look, with us, tools is, is something that keeps changing, right? So I, I'm a big fan of using different tools for different things. I was trying, when I used to work in-house back in the day, my thing was just to push tools to the company so we start getting things done better. So the, to improve communication, to improve task management, to improve a whole bunch of things. But it's very, very hard to do that in a company that you know, has 50 plus people and some people agree and some people don't agree. So my, my thing with any tool is that it's as good as you use it, right? So whatever tool you use, if nobody's using it, there's no point. If it's a great best tool in the world, if, if, if people don't use it, then just forget about it, use something else. So with proposals, we went through manual kind of InDesign type of designs where you design the whole thing and you export it and realize quickly that I can do it, right? And a couple of designers can do it. But then I get someone to work with us in support role or project management and they have no idea how to use InDesign or they're not using design, but only to a certain degree. So I'm like, okay, that's not going to work for us. So we, we bought a tool which was one of those online proposal tools where you put the whole thing online, the whole thing and in, in design the whole thing inside that software. And you push one button, and it sends out proposal to the person. You know, when they open the proposal, you know, when they clicked on some way, they can sign, you know, that they accept it. So we used that for a while. But then my kind of, because it was designed in the software, there were some limitations. My design side told me that it's not good enough because I get the shits with little things that we just can't do there. And then there's like software bugs that keep popping up. So I end up saying, okay, this is it's comfortable to use, but not use anymore. So we we switched years ago to Google Workspace for everything. So everything, you know, we use Google for email, Google Sheets, all that stuff. Um, so we use pretty much Google Slides now for all our proposals. And it's been working for us really well for past past year and a half. So we can design the whole thing how we want in Google Slides. We can make it into a branded link. So we, we make sure we don't send a client a huge Google link. We make it into a branded link. We send it as a presentation. It's not as a file that they have to so it looks like a presentation on the screen it looks very nice they can view it on mobile and desktop it's easy for us to access easy for us to shut it down as well uh, when you know you send a proposal to someone and you know they don't, don't respond or maybe you know that you know it expired because where you would give a date you know like our, this is our price for next two to three months you know, and after after a certain time, this price is no longer valid because things change. So we can easily just say we can shut it down, and they can always save it as a PDF if they want. So this is our this is our process now, and because we keep everything together in Google, pretty much Google Drive, I guess it's makes it's it's a lot of visibility for us internally for anyone to say, okay, let's jump on this proposal. Let's let's you know use a bit of that proposal on on this one because that was already done for us before, so we don't have to read repeat the same tasks every time. Uh, yeah, so th- this is our, you know, that's the way we do the proposals now. I mean, 
things might change again. It's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you have everything in the cloud and the Google Drive, like use their tool for Google Slides. So you, they have like high level of reusability anyway, and uh, you can edit it easily uh, too. So it doesn't require any design skills at bad like this. That's pretty cool. When it comes to estimation, it seems like to be just manual and just input it into the Google Slides, right? Yeah. So estimation, we, again, we tried Excel. We tried to do all that. We pretty much know what each project will cost if it's some it really it comes down to projects right so if it's software development for example that's a much more complicated thing to estimate so that's not going to be a thing where you okay roughly that's how much last website cost this is going to be similar but, but different so this is when we you know we have to estimate it and pretty much put a list of everything that's going to be included how many hours uh, we estimate per task the timing and everything else but we can still put that into the um, slides, but obviously, yeah, it is it is more manual. But there is no, yeah, if you ask me about like, automation or a way of where we can put the estimate in one system and push it to the other, no, we, we don't do that. It's pretty much manual for each one. And for what you explained, it's also kind of writing them to me, because like you're right, in the software development, it definitely needs more love and more like typical solutions that what we would probably do ourselves as a consultant, or if you do the design, which you probably can use ballpark estimation, that totally makes sense. When it comes to the work execution, so if you sign, uh, when you sign the agreement to the client, they agreed, how do you report the progress? Like, do you internally track time, which you match the build hours, or just a fixed price you estimate, and then you show like all the tasks are being completed on the, I don't know, some sort of timeline yeah i mean look it, it really varies for each client i mean some clients if it's a brand new client and if it's a very clear brief it makes our life a lot easier so so we know what needs to be we need to include if, if, it's, if they're gonna have third-party integrations or they they will have other things coming up in the future we just say okay this is the price for what we're going to be doing for you now that's what's included and that's going to stay the way it's not going to change the only thing is if you come back to us with a too many changes obviously there's, there's a limit to that but in, in terms of the in terms of the actual price it pretty much stays that if there'll be new pages or new integrations in our api or whatever it is we can estimate that at the point where we're ready to do it and then we can give you a price at that stage yeah that makes sense i'm more into like when everything is estimated and agreed like how do you report the progress do you use like kind of software which would show the progress or do you just manually send them a message from i mean we, we just click up for our project management and we can also have a, a view for our clients that we can send them basically all the tasks that have been done and all the hours that have been uh, allocated to it. And that's usually for clients who have retainers. So if a client is in a retainer and they want to know how many hours they'll be, they'll be working on, you know, we'll be working on certain tasks, we do that for them. In most allocations, we just have either catch-up meetings or we have our project manager might send an email say, guys, you know, we are at this stage now. This is the latest update. We try to make sure that our clients are updated. We really don't like when, when we get chased by, by clients say, hey, I tell this to my guys all the time. We should not be the ones being chased. We, sh we should be the ones being proactive and telling our clients that this is the project where we are today. We have expectation maybe it's being delayed for reasons either from our end or for your, from your end. So we want to make very clear about it. We want to explain everything. And, and keep things transparent. But in terms of, we tried using uh, Jira as well for that, just kind of to show them the process. Most clients don't care, to be honest with you. As long as, as, long as they get the results and, and as long as we keep them in the loop of what's happening, 
they're quite happy to just just to keep it going. We we had before where we would create rooms and client logins. Literally nobody would log in. I would log in the first time because I'd be excited that they have a login, and then they'll they'll go there and have a look around and sign up. I'd probably be the last one, the last time they went in there. So we we have all those tools. That's the whole thing about tools. We we have tools for all that is not being used all that like there might be a lot of other solutions but they might not practically work that's the thing about it right like if you have something that uh, seems to be cool but it's not actually used this is a big difference and as you said like the clients i reflect the same like we we used back in those days asana before work layer and we invited them to asana and you know like why do you torture us uh, i mean what do you mean we take a look at your task board kanban there's like whole mass of this they don't understand the thing they see some tasks are coming Completed, but in the end of the day, I found that only care as you said, like how much tasks are done, maybe see some metrics, budget usage, time usage, and the timeline when they expect it. Is everything go is as is expected? You know, like is everything is on schedule? So that's pretty. It <laughs> they don't care about it much anything else. But for your organization, I think it's important to keep an eye on something like whether we are in margin goal. I'm I'm just guessing right now. I'm not sure like how how you guys approach it. But for me, as you said, like reiterating back on microcontrolling, I used to have this think back. Back in my days, I was like, I trust nobody. <laughs> and uh, I had to control everything, do the activity tracking, uh, monitoring timesheets, etc. But then I realized like, well, as long as I'm kind of within the range of the margin goal I'm happy with for this kind of business, for this kind of project, which I establish, then that's it. Like, well, I don't care about anything else. And probably someone else should take, you know, look at that, manage the schedules, make things work. And for me, just to react or for any top manager, only if something goes out of this range, right? That's right. I mean, we have team leaders for each, I guess, for each team of specialists, right? So, and that's the ones we usually deal with. So we, we don't, we, we're trying not to deal with individuals for each task. So, you know, there might be a project where they have three or four developers working on it. So we don't want to talk to each developer individual. We just talk to a team leader. If there's something that needs to be discussed in more detail, we can go and talk to everyone together and just, just to kind of irritate, just figure out what the, what the issue is. But I mean, yeah, you're right in terms of the overall scope. You understand this is your budget. They know what the time should be. And if they start going over the time, that is being clearly communicated to us. So we understand, okay, we, we, know, we told the client that there'll be so many hours and now we've reached the capacity. What was the reason for that? You know, is, is it from our end that we didn't estimate it properly? Or is it from client end who's been coming up with new ideas and, and new suggestions as the project was coming along? And it's important, of course, in this case, to keep the client updated. So we, we, we do try, if it's, if it's a more complicated project, we, do, we just have maybe a weekly or fortnightly meetings, catch-up meetings with them, and we just go through um, a whole bunch of tasks. If it's a website, we use a tool called Markup, where we just we throw the website on there, we send the client, and say, just, if you want any changes, click on things you want to change, make the comments, okay? We get the comments sent to us straight away. And as the developer changes things and squeaks down, the customer knows it's been done. So there's no need to spend time on, on meetings and emails. It's pretty much there. Everyone can, can see that it's transparent for everyone, for myself, for my developers, and for our customers. And then if, if there's anything that's complicated, we can check through that system straight away and, and, and get it all kind of pretty much either approved or put on hold or whatever the, you know, the resolution is. That's smart. I like this uh, mention of this tool. I, actually, I didn't hear about it. I'm very inspired to check it out. How how you call that markup tool? Markup. 
mock-up because you know historically and this is what we use now and just making screenshot point this out but you're right visual feedback is absolutely amazing if we can avoid screenshots i think this tool could be fit on our bucket list <laughs> yeah nice it's an awesome tool it's an awesome tool uh i mean screenshots we still use sometimes if it's something quick but i mean we use markup for not just websites we, we use markup for even printed uh materials so could we can put the whole we can use markup for video as well so if someone's doing an animation, we can put it in markup. And whoever is watching the animation, they can pause, make a comment, and then our team can get there you know, and, and just go through it. So, yes, it's great. It's great. Just contact saver. I mean, it's all about context. I mean, speaking as an engineer, always you lose the context. And this is about the context. You show exactly where the issue is. You add the you know text or whatever comment is, and that's it. That's pretty cool. Thanks for sharing this. And uh, yeah, it's clear about this bias approach with reporting and communication. I'm curious, like, whether you have sort of for either automation or tools used for invoicing, generating invoices, like either by your team to you or from you to your client. And my, I would say rather traditional guess right now is probably you use zero for accounting anyway right yeah we use zero <laughs> my thing about zero is that it feels like it was built for accountants by accountants sadly and designed by accountants <laughs> okay because it's great it's great i'm sure it's great for accountants but i used to use a a, a very simple system of things called um i forgot what it's called but basically it was it was a, a an accounting system which was visually 10 years ahead of zero, I would say, and, and use it with your eyes as well. Uh, and then, because it, it, it was a US company, right? And it, it, it used to work in in US and Australia, and then eventually they shut it down for Australia, and then they were all, were all pushed down, were all pushed out. It was called Wave, wave Apps, actually. So it, we were all basically pushed to use something else. So I started using zero because everyone talks about zero is the best thing in the world. So I go, okay, so I'll use the best thing that's out there. You know, so I signed up, started using it. And I was lost. I'm like, am I the wrong, am I, am I using the wrong zero? Because it just looks like it's literally 10 years behind in, in, in the U, UI, you know, and even UX as well. But again, and if you're an accountant, you probably love it because you, this is this is your role, you know. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, apart from that, obviously, it's great. You know, it's got a lot of API integrations. We don't use pretty much probably none of them. We don't really do much automation in terms of accounting. Uh, we have a bookkeeper, we have an accountant that kind of do all that reconciliations and all that stuff. We we use, because we I think I mentioned we use ClickUp for project management, but we use, and I think me and you had a chip last time, ClickUp has really crappy time timekeeping tracker so we had to we were forced to use something else so we use harvest for that so we use harvest for timekeeping and then we we export the timing from there so it depends how what the project is so if it, if it's a a project where we don't build by the hour but we just have a project-based cost there's no need to automate anything and that's the thing about you know, uh, your, your question earlier is our plan. Like, if I was to move away from my everyday management and, and hand it off to to someone I can trust within the company that can manage things for us and I can focus on bigger, better things, this part is very hard to, to hand off. The, the accounting, the invoicing part, because some clients you have a relationship with where maybe they get a discount, maybe they have, you know, maybe they're on a retainer and have a different rate. Uh, maybe you, you want to charge them you know, less because you know that you know in, in the in the future you you get something you know is potential out there. And only I only I know that, right? So 
unless someone is very involved in day-to-day operations and very involved in clients and they have an interest which comes to money, that's the whole thing about that. If you work, if, if you're just an employee, they don't really care because they, unless they get bonuses or they get some in, incentive to care about the final value, it's very hard for them to to put themselves on that level and think, okay, you know, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't charge the full rate. Maybe I should just cut a few hours because it's not like it's not really worth it for us. And this client's great, and you know, we'll, we'll keep working with them. And that that this is the hardest part for us to pass on, you know, as as a as a business owner, I think. Yeah, love that subject. To be honest, like this is the same pain I had before entrusting operations more and more to my team. And as you mentioned uh, with the fixed price, like we track time internally for fixed price and we also create an incentivizing mechanism to the responsible managers because we know if it's a fixed price if they estimate let's say 20 hours for the task but did it for a 10 hours for a regular employee they like wait why would i say it's done because I'm not getting paid for the estimation. I'm being paid for the time tracked. So now they are not incentivized to finish it early and do the like more transparent, more realistic report because they are not simply incentivized. So we we created a system where if you go way on top of margin goal, and it means it give it, it generates more profit to our company, then we don't mind give you bonuses because we now clearly see transparently see this data. It also becomes instrumental to see like who has to be probably promoted because they they also know that if they estimate some time and they constantly beat this estimation, of course we validate estimation. It's not like, oh, 100 hours, okay, let's go. No, there's going to be people who is uh, kind of checking each other. So it's not like made up numbers, right? Like, so if you estimate something and like more senior staff or your colleague told you like, it's okay, this number is realistic and you beat it. Well, then you're doing better, better and better because you earn money because maybe they start to guess that what we estimate because we are being very crazy about that. This is something that is put into agreement because it is, right? We are being paid for that and fixed price contracts. So it's about like trust and uh, being transparent within the team and have some, I call it like more uh, fair mechanism to stimulate the team to be more result oriented instead of just, you know, chasing these hours. So that's pretty interesting topic you're touching here. Yeah, I mean, I, I both that we have this in Workler, not like zero integration finalized completely. And when you say like there's a lot of APIs there, we already integrated with Plate, which works only with the US, unfortunately. Some clients, they are happy, like banks connected. But zero API is different thing. And developer came to me like, what I did to you? Uh, because it's so legacy, so outdated. So believe me or not, what you see UI-wise, I bet as you, I, I've seen this in your eyes, it causes the pain for aesthetic component of your design expertise, right? Like it's ugly, outdated. And this is actually the same in the tech side, but it's still pretty functional. This is cool. I mean, accountants love that. Let them, let them be there, right? Let me as a founder or top management see a more reasonable picture for me who wants to check the pnl every week right yeah cool i mean i'm 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 gonna be carried away sorry for that because this problem is so resonated with me and i don't see any real solutions but i think this is something that right now i just get a verification that we should probably double down efforts in that regard because many <laughs> many other would find value in always comes down always comes down to accounting when it comes to business doesn't it always the biggest the biggest challenge 
Yeah, in the end of the day, money is like a best measurement of the business success. Like if you don't have money, you don't have business. No matter how noble mission is to me, it's still a measurement of success. Okay, so we covered pretty much almost everything. I just wanted to double check a few items before we finish this main section. Is about like we, we touched autonomy and automation and, and how crucial it would be to transfer to a team if you especially want to step out from day-to-day operations. But what about the workload? Do you have it as a problem? I mean, by workload, it's like resource planning when you distribute and plan the work between your team members, whoever is doing that job in your company. Is it a challenge? The challenge is there a challenge to, to spread the workload? Not really. I guess it's the way the way we set up and the way we, we run the, the company is that we can take on a lot of, a lot of work. Uh, and then if, if it's too much work for the current uh, specialist, it's, it's we're quite flexible to bring in more, more talent. And that talent is going to be someone, someone trusted, someone we either know well or, or our, our team knows well. So we don't really have that issue in terms of spraying the work. It's, it's more ma- managing the work. Uh, I, I guess that's when you, you have all the tools and, and, and make sure everything gets done on time and done, gets done right. But no, I don't think the only challenge we ever have a lot of work, uh, workload is when it's something that we don't usually do. Uh, I think I mentioned at the very start, it's, you know, sometimes customers come to, to us with something we don't specialize in. But actually, uh, I was going to mention, you know, we, me and you, we're both a part of Cub, right? So we're part of that business club where, again, it comes, comes back to relationships. You know, you, you build those relationships in uh, with people that you can do business with. And we're all on the same on the same page here, we all want to do well for each other. So, so it, it makes it makes sense that people who you meet, people who who you who you recommend in certain areas that you don't specialize in, they will make sure that they're going to do the right thing for you, and and same as us, right? So I've met you know already a few people which I recommended to clients, and clients are very happy, and obviously we're happy as well. Every day it comes down to. You know, how do you keep your clients happy? You, know, you do the right thing for them, like you, see, you work well. But if you can't do something and you make their life easier by recommending someone who can do it well, that's already a big plus for us and for them because they that I have to go out there and, and find someone random to to do the job. And and, how, and the other part is most of the time those tasks are performed by by people who we have to work with eventually anyway. So for example, if it's you know you. Writing content or integrating some new system that we're now working with before is still going to be a part of the website or part of the marketing process. So we're still going to be involved. So it's in our own interest as well to make sure that the people who will be working with our clients uh, are someone that we will get along with and we can trust and we, we know that they're not going to you know, disappear tomorrow and that we're going to be stuck kind of looking for someone else. And do you have like tools that, or like any system in place which tells you like, all right, we got this guy finishing because the project is finished and we know that in one month or 45 days or whatever time is in the future that you need to load this person. Like, do you see where such actions must be taken? Either like, you know, hire or fire, as I call it, depending on the, of course, of the circumstance, what do you need to do? Like either add more resources or start searching more actively for the client to make things in balance. In most cases, we, we use project management system for that. So we, we have different tasks and it's broken down in different teams. So we know, so our, for example, our project view, the way we see it is we can see client, we can see every project that's that's a part of the client. We can see that what every task 
part of the client and we can see who is doing that. From the point of view of our teams, they can only see what we, we share with them. So the, they can only see the tasks that we allocated to them. And it could be a team view, it could be an individual view. And that way we know that we're pretty much in control of the whole process. We can put dates, obviously, on, on things when they're due. And then we use, we try to keep things simple. We used to use things like Slack and all that um, to communicate. And then we we just switched to an app called Telegram, which is like it's like WhatsApp and steroids, pretty much. You know, so and we can we create chat rooms there. We create chat rooms with topics. So if it's a, if it's if it's a chat room with different clients, we can create a, a chat room per client. And we just invite different team members from different specialist groups. We can all communicate on our challenge that we need to achieve. And then, you know, we everyone's on the same page. We even have chat groups for our clients as well, where we have specialists in, in from different areas in that chat group with our clients. Client can, doesn't need to email me or call me. They can just go around and chat and say, guys, I need this done. Or can we fix this bug? Um, and so it goes through. It's a very, there's no barrier of entry to download an app. You don't need to, it, it makes it a lot easier. We tried as well having like chats through our project management system and, and, and that as well. For us, I'm sure it works for others. For us, it didn't work. Maybe it's the way our team is and the way the variety of people that we work with. If I think if we were all sitting in the same in the same office space, it'd be easier. Or if they were all located in the same location, but because of the way we are, some some of our developers they moved, you know, recently. Some moved to Spain, some to to France. So it's it makes it, it makes it hard even in, in timeline wise sometimes to, to do that. So. But yeah, so we, we we use tools like that for us to communicate. And again, we, you know, we used a whole bunch of tools over the time, over, over the years. And we, we, at this stage, we found this is the best uh, case for us. I mean, this I, I love the simplicity for the client and you have a well-structured communication network. So this is, that makes total sense. I just want to drop, since we are reaching the end, a few words about many uh, maybe you can share about other tips and tricks that might be helpful in you know managing the entire process and the business from your example, and maybe a few words about whether you use AI these days because it becomes more and more popular. <laughs> yeah, so AI, I guess yeah. I mean, you have to use AI these days. We use AI for content a little bit. It's never AI hundred percent. So we the way we use that is we use say ChatGPT for example. We can use that for. We have the marketing team that gives us all the all the the keywords and the and the right description of how to write content for a specific topic. So we, we put that in AI, and it gives us obviously spits out the whole text. Then we go through it and make it more human because even though it's great, sometimes it's just, you know as as you would know, it's, it's not. It, you can still tell it's built by AI. We also have tools that we use to check for plagiarism, and you know you you'll find the plagiarism in ChatGPT is quite high. So if you if you do SEO, for example, you want to make sure that your content is is not plagiarized from somewhere else. You want to make sure your content is a hundred percent or at least close to hundred percent unique. Um, and then we might get our client as well to have a look at it because they they know the industry the best, so they might have a look at it and say, okay, this this is great, or might need some changes comes down to, to different clients. We also use Midjourney. So Midjourney, obviously, to, to do images, mostly for fun. Uh, Midjourney is, is great for very random things. So if, if you tell it things to do, it does something. But if you tell it to fix a little bit, it doesn't do that. So it gives you a whole new image. 
So we've been using uh, recently for a client where we asked to give us an image and it did that. And then we took that image into Photoshop and we use Photoshop AI to finish off the work because Photoshop, it can actually focus on little bits and pieces. So like you get a bigger picture, which is great, but there's like six fingers, for example, you know, you get those when you start looking into detail. So it really into Photoshop. And then you can literally just choose what you want to place or choose what you want to add it. And again, you get, you can always, you know, you can use stock photos or whatever, but you get pretty unique uh, results from that. So, and so it's, it's becoming definitely a tool for us more and more. We haven't, while um, partners in business, he's been playing around with AI and chat. So kind of working with things like you go on a website and you ask a question and it gives you an answer and it always tells you you should go here and buy it from this page. So we've been playing with more of helping clients, clients, clients. So kind of, you know, if, if it's on their website, it'll help their clients find things easier. You know, and there's a lot of opportunity. Yes, it's actually, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're looking at right now in terms of now, like, where do we want to go next in terms of, uh, business that's something different in out and, and this area is, is is very cool it's very it's it's new this everyone's trying to do it at the same time we keep getting you know and i mean also about the ai that is a new ai tool i mean they all use some kind of api to, to do it but this is a uh, an interesting area for us and we haven't done too much of it but uh it's because there is potential uh for clients as well here that's you know we're putting more time into this that's pretty cool. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, this is like uh, everywhere right now, the AI, but I think it will be very close to other innovations for me, for example, like automations. They can be beaten by AI as long as they are practical enough and precise enough and doesn't cost a fortune to, for maintenance or implementation. Because I hear many times like whether you do automation or whether would you do automation or why you don't do automation? Well, because it's all run down to the cost. It must be justified. Same as with AI. It might be very expensive or it might be imprecise. And you, as you said, these examples might end up doing some extra manual work on top of that, but definitely saving a lot of time already. I think that's pretty it for the main content. And um, I'd like to ask you one more question for LinkedIn for us is, can you tell us something that is not on LinkedIn profile that you don't mind to share? I mean, my LinkedIn profile is probably out of date. So whatever is on there might not even be up to date uh, to today. So that, that's a good reminder for me to, to check it. My awesome business is just my family. You know, we, we have a busy, uh, loud household. You know, I come home and, and as usual, someone's screaming, hopefully my name and running towards me, but sometimes it's not. I, I try to switch off. I used to work throughout weekends, right? So I used to come home and, and work evenings late and then I would work weekends as well. And more and more, I actually push myself to, to switch off. So I still have my eye on emails or anything really important, but I, I don't, I realize that, you know, you, you have to spend more time with family and, and more time with yourself. I mean, we recently bought a house and we'll be doing a lot of backyard work and which never, never ends, but it's fun as well. So, you know, I, I spent like a few weeks just digging and and it it was it was actually very satisfying just just you know digging up half of the backyard and then uh, and, and kind of finding those you know old roots and rocks and you gotta throw away and it's it's physical work but at the same time it's actually I mean I guess if you do it for work uh, as a full time job it's not it's not that you you probably would not find it fun but if you if you're on the computer all day long this is this is great 
We also do camping. And we love to go camping. Now we haven't done as much as we should uh, recently, but we got all the you know we got all the gear. And we've been to a whole bunch of places, and and kids love it. The older ones not so much anymore, but the younger ones they they, they still love camping. And we got a whole uh, we got a nice group of friends who go with us. So that's for us to kind of to switch off. I and you know, when you go camping, you literally switch off because there's no reception. Um, a, a lot of places, so you have no choice. You know. So you can't, you, you switch off from the world and you, and you really enjoy and you, and you get into the nature. And um, yeah, I think that's, that'll be my thing uh, aside from, you know, writing the business and that. And that, well, so I'm also studying, I'm also kind of getting into this whole new, different business now, which I can't really do, um, talk about just now, but it's not, not to, to do with digital design or anything. It's a, it's a whole different area, but maybe we can talk about it next time once it's, once it's so official. Absolutely. That's interesting because like, I like how you balance the uh, digital detox life with the, with the everything that's been uh, digital. I mean, retreat from the, from all of this uh, digitalization is extremely important because the majority of your life is there. And I'm, uh, I'm, for me, it's also kind of a good reminder to revisit that as well. One of the guests told me that they, on Saturday, they completely switch off all the digital interactions. So you can't reach, I think it, it, it's another cup member we, we had a podcast with and uh, it's Katia Vakulenka. And she said like, you can't reach me on the Saturdays, if I uh, recall it properly, one of the weekdays, unless you go and knock my door. And I was like, well, that's, next level i mean i can't disconnect myself but i definitely need to get there because yeah it's more healthy lifestyle for sure yeah i mean i guess look i think if you have the right tools in place you can do that say if you you know if you got someone some skeleton and stuff they can just push all the phone calls to the emails if it's anything urgent someone's website is down and you know they try to call you <laughs> oh you know so <laughs> well i mean we do have tools tools for, for that already but uh yeah, I think it's manageable if you just kind of plan, plan the right way. Yeah, we need to put AI when we don't want to be present in this uh, digital. <laughs> cool. Right, that was an amazing conversation. Thank you very much for taking time and, and getting to this podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to have you here, Alex. Thanks again for the sharing your wisdom, the the interesting tips and tricks and how you manage the business. So I think it will be very valuable from an educational component for every viewer. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to talk about other stuff with you and uh, wish you to have a nice productive um, weekend awesome thank you very much Adira. talk to you soon